Good morning. Happy Easter to you. My name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at Trinity Anglican, and I'm thankful to be able to gather together today online. It would be much better if we were together in the house of God on this Resurrection Sunday, but I'm thankful that we're able to gather as we are. I've got a couple of announcements before we jump into the sermon. Number one, if you want to know what's happening in the life of our church, you're not going to hear it in sermons at the beginning like announcements would happen typically. Go to atltrinity.org to our newly designed website and click on the Get Updates uh, button and you're going to be put on a mailing distribution list and you'll know about all of our virtual programming during this season. If you don't care about that, then just watch the video. But if you do, Please sign up. It'll be the best way for you to stay in the loop, and we promise not to bombard your inbox unnecessarily. Uh, we're going to give you just enough to get by. And secondly, if you haven't done so, we would encourage you to join one of our neighborhood groups. Those virtual groups are meeting now all over our city, and it's a great opportunity to make friends and to maintain friendships and connections, and we hope you'll do that. If you have your Bibles, please turn to uh, the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John. I'm going to read 18 verses, and then we're going to pray, and then we're just going to jump in and try to see what we can see on this Resurrection Sunday. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb, and the two were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloth wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. And then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead and then the disciples returned to their homes but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and as she wept she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been one at the head the other at the feet and they said to her woman why are you weeping and she said to them they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him and when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher, and Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this Easter Sunday. We ask, God, that you would, even in these unusual circumstances, help us to think deep and true and profound thoughts about the resurrection. We thank you, God, for this moment that we have together, and we pray that you would empower us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm not going to preach a full-length sermon to you because I know how hard it is to watch a TV church. But I am going to try to give us some tracks to run on so that we can think clear and true thoughts about the resurrection on this day, this Easter Sunday. Number one, it's very important for us to recognize that Mary did not go to the tomb on Easter morning looking for life. She went to the tomb looking for death. 
And in this sense, we get to stand in a kind of solidarity with Mary. She didn't wake up on Easter and think, what, what, what are my best clothes? Uh, for her, um, it was not about getting dressed up and looking her best. Uh, for her, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they were no different. She was just as disoriented on Sunday morning as she was on Saturday because Jesus was gone. And it's important for us to recognize that when Mary wakes up that morning and goes to that tomb, she goes to that tomb simply to be near Jesus. It was the last place she knew that he would be. It's the last place she'd seen his body. And she doesn't go there thinking she's going to find an empty tomb and angels and resurrection. She goes to that tomb probably in a very human way, trying to give vent and expression to her grief, to, to, to mourn one last time, to be as physically proximate to Jesus' body as she could be. And in that sense, she's like you and me. We, most of us, probably didn't wake up this morning thinking about hope. A lot of you are in your pajamas. Uh, a very few of you are probably all dressed up and uh, sitting in your ties in your living room. Most of us are probably wearing pajamas. I, I feel certain that's what we're doing right now. She wasn't thinking about joy, just like you're probably having a hard time thinking about it yourself. It's like, how does Easter feel any different from Good Friday this year? Well, if you feel that way, you're in really good company because these first friends of Jesus on the resurrection morning, they went to that tomb feeling just as lost as they felt the day before. Mary is there and then she gets to that tomb and it's empty. So it's not that he's there, but she doesn't know what's going on. She thinks somebody's stolen him and she in her grief her, uh, gets deeper. Her confusion becomes more profound. She doesn't know what to make of it. She goes there looking for something and she doesn't find what she thought she would find. Mary's confused. And when, G when John and Peter, those two friends of hers, come to the tomb and the text says they saw and believed, um, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They, they'd yet to wrap their head around it. They believed that Mary was telling the truth. And what do they do? They go home. And that leads me to the second thing I think we need to think about that'll help us on this Easter morning. Um, when we're in grief, when we're confused, that negatively impacts our ability to see things clearly. None of these friends of Jesus are seeing things clearly. Y'all, Jesus had told his friends many times before the cross that he was going to die, that he was going to be taken from them. But in their grief and disorientation, they're not able to see things. They're not able to discern what's going on. So what do the friends do? Well, two of them, the men, Peter and John, they go home. And I've been sitting with these words because I've been feeling this temptation in my own bones. Verse 10 says very clearly, then the disciples returned to their homes. These two friends of Jesus who loved him so much, they lose ground. They actually retreat. They go back to what they know and they leave the, the graveside. And I believe this is really important for us to consider, y'all. I believe that the graveside on this first Easter morning represents the space where many of us are living right now. It's a threshold space. It's an in-between place. It's neither clear that it's death and it's not clear that it's life. It's this weird liminal space. And that word liminal just means threshold. And two people move back from the threshold. They go back to what they know. And I've been asking myself the question, where am I tempted to retreat back to what I know? Where am I tempted to go back home? And I don't mean home in a good way. I mean home in the way of losing ground, comfort, retreat. Well, these guys go and it's understandable that they went because they didn't know what to make of what was in front of them. But not everyone goes home. 
The third movement in this passage, and this is the model for you and me, on that Easter morning, in that liminal space, one person chooses to stay. Mary stays. She stays in the uncomfortable place, in the vulnerable place, in the middle place. And when she stays, she does two things. She weeps and she gives the tomb a second look. And I believe that this is the invitation for you and me on this Easter morning. I believe that we're called to weep. We're called to give full expression to the things that we're feeling, the grief that we feel, the pain that we feel, the disorientation, the, the loss, the confusion. Mary doesn't pretend that she's feeling better than she is. She gives voice to those things and she lingers in this in-between place and she weeps. But she doesn't just leave it there. The second thing that she does, she gives the tomb a second look. And I find myself wondering what would have happened if Mary had just gone home with the boys. They would have found out about the resurrection, but it would have taken some time. But because she's willing to look in again, to go back to the place of disappointment and look again, it's only then that she finds the presence of God. Angels are there. Help from heaven is there. And they ask her a question. They say, woman, why are you weeping? And I want to be clear with you. It's not a rhetorical question. They really want to know. And so Mary tells them, she's like, I, I'm looking for Jesus and he's not here. And if you know where he is, would you tell me where he is? She's totally disoriented, but she's giving voice to her disorientation. And I believe that for you and me on this Easter Sunday, it would do us no good to not verbalize our disorientation. We've got to say it out loud. Mary says it out loud. But she looks again and the help from heaven comes. She asks a question. She's deeply confused. And then something really profound happens. As Mary remains at the tomb, she turns around. The next movement in our passage, she turns around to notice that Jesus is with her. There's something about Mary being aware and she turns around and sees Jesus. Now she doesn't recognize him. She thinks he's the gardener. But she recognizes that someone is there because Jesus is present, but he's different. Something has changed in his physical person. He's not quite the same. Resurrection has done something to his body. But she recognizes that someone is there and she mistakes him for a gardener, which I find so fascinating. She mistakes him for someone who's meant to cultivate and tend a space. And in a way, Mary, even though she's confused, she's right about something. She sees Jesus as a cultivator, as someone who's there to tend to a space. And in her confusion, she wonders where he is. Without recognizing him, she recognizes that someone is there. And I've been struck by the fact that in these last number of days, there have been places where God has probably been closer to me than I've been able to perceive. He's probably been nearer to me than I've been able to recognize. And that's exactly what was going on with Mary that first morning of the resurrection. And then the fourth thing, it's not until Jesus says her name, he calls her Mary, that she's able to recognize him. And when he speaks her name, she in that moment knows that she is known. Y'all, resurrection is the fulcrum on which the whole of Christianity turns. This is more significant to us than Christmas, than even the cross. Because what resurrection tells us is that Jesus was dead and then fully comes back to life. There's something powerful happening in Jesus' body. 
And I want to say this to you because I think this matters for us today, maybe in this age of COVID-19 more than any other time. Jesus in his resurrection um, is teaching us that he faced death in his physical body and went right through it. He did not avoid it. He didn't hide from it. He didn't work out a backroom deal. He went right into the darkness and somehow destroyed it from the inside out. Resurrection is what happens after death. It's not an avoiding of death. This is why in the New Testament, Jesus eats fish and he lets people touch him um, because they needed to know that he was physically present, that he was not a ghost, that he had not transitioned from one state of being to another, but that he was physically alive. He had his body back. And y'all, this is so important for us because it teaches us that Jesus alone goes to the worst places, the darkest places, and he deals with what's living in those dark places. And so in a very real way, I find myself thinking about a Jesus on Easter Sunday who faced the worst that death and hell had to offer and he dealt with it once and for all. He somehow defeated the power of darkness. And that doesn't mean that you and me have some sort of uh, pie in the sky happily ever after. What it does mean is that Jesus has gone wherever you go. He's gone there first. And so what I hear in my own heart in the midst of all the uncertainty that we're facing in the midst of this pandemic is this. Jesus has something to say to us. He has something to say to you and me. And it's this. When you enter the darkness, I go there first, Jesus says. When you enter uncertainty, you aren't the first person to be there. Jesus has been there before you. And therefore, he in a way that is unique and mysterious is able to make a way for us to go into the dark places of our lives knowing that we're not alone in those dark places. And many of us right now feel alone. And to us, I hear Jesus saying this, it is okay for you to move forward. I am here even if you do not fully recognize me, even if like Mary, you do not fully perceive that I am there, I am there, Jesus would say. And not only is he there, he's praying for us. I'm gonna quote to you a scripture and we're gonna put a slide up so you can see this. This is from Romans 8. Paul says this, it is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us, prays for us. And then Paul asked this question, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, Paul says, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. And then he says these words that we need to hold on to now more than ever. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that leads me to where I want to park this sermon, and it's this, the fifth thing. Resurrection is meant to make us sturdy. It made Jesus sturdy. He got his body back when he conquered death. And for you and me, we're meant to be the kinds of people who as we follow Jesus into uncertain places in light of the resurrection, feel a kind of sturdiness settling in around our own physical bodies. This is why we need to remember now, maybe more than ever before, that resurrection is something that's meant to make you the kind of person who can face the darkness around you knowing that Jesus has gone there first. See the disciples at first, Mary, 
Peter, John, all the friends of Jesus, they didn't feel sturdy at first. What they felt is what you're feeling, what I'm feeling. They felt confused. But ultimately, they woke up to the reality that the resurrection had something to say about their lived experience. And these early friends of Jesus faced remarkable uncertainty. We're facing remarkable uncertainty. They did so in sure and certain hope of the resurrection. They did so knowing that Jesus had something to say about their lived experience, even when their lived experience was really hard. And I want to say this to you and me. We need to remind ourselves of this. Jesus has something to say to our current cultural moment. He wants to make you increasingly sturdy. Y'all, the fact that Jesus did not avoid death means that you can face the death in your life and in our wider culture, knowing that we're not alone. Y'all, we're hearing numbers of positive cases, even in our church, are going up on a regular basis. It's just like it's happening all around us. Our city is bracing for the darkest couple of weeks that we'll have in this whole pandemic coming up here after Easter. And yet we don't face these things in a hopeless way. We face these things knowing that God is going to meet us and give us a way to walk through the darkness of life knowing that we're not on our own, that we're not all by ourselves. So I want to call you to this. I want to call you to feast this Easter. Easter in the church is known as the great 50 days. 50 days of remembering life wins. And maybe now more than ever before, we need to remember that life wins. And that's not glib triumphalism. That's not stick your head in the sand and act like everything's okay. It's remember that in the darkness, more than at any other time, we have to remember that life ultimately wins. So I'm going to leave you with this advice. And it's the advice that um, God gave through the prophet Jeremiah to the Israelites when they were in Babylonian exile. Jeremiah 29, verses 4 and 5, this is what the prophet says. The Lord says through the prophet to a group of people living in remarkable darkness, Babylonian exile. He says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Here it is. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. This Easter, in the midst of darkness, we've got to learn how to live. And learning how to live doesn't mean you pretend that the world is great any more than the Jews would have pretended everything was awesome in Babylon. But the reminder here is that Easter teaches us that during times of darkness, we are people who have a hope of a future. So I want to encourage you to lean toward that hope. Eat something good. Raise a glass. Remember that there is life on the other side of death and darkness. And that life is meant to make you and me sturdy people. So let's ask the Lord to root our feet in some place real today and throughout this season. If you're able, I would love it if we would stand together, even in our living rooms. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer before we sign off. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.